Hey, and welcome to Product Journeys. I'm Frank Gleisner. And I'm Lachlan Robertson. We're both product managers stumbling our way through our product journeys. We're out to meet amazing product people and learn a bit about their skills and experiences. In this episode, we've got an amazing conversation with Tori Anderson. Tori started work life teaching high school students, so has taken a long route into the world of product. She got excited early by careers in tech and stumbled into a career in business intelligence and analytics. So although not from a deep product background, she's been working for over 15 years as essentially a translator between customer and business needs and the technology that can deliver them. Having worked for Agco, the makers of Massey Ferguson tractors, Disney and Spark, she has a diverse background, most often working in complex business and customer programs. What excites her the most is bringing together all the amazing cross-functional talent that creates beautiful customer solutions that enable the business to grow. Welcome, Tori. Lachlan and I are really pleased to have you here, and we're looking forward to all of your stories. We'll start at the beginning, I guess, with your product journey, where it all began, and how you've ended up where you are today. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. It's interesting because when I looked back at the people who've done these before, I was like, wow, there's some incredible product talent. And I'm going to get a little bit of imposter syndrome straight up. So I didn't listen to any of them because I thought it's okay because my journey's probably quite a different one. So I guess I started my life for my sins as a teacher. Lord knows I went to university, just loved English, loved geography and did those because that was my passion and then came out and went, oh my God, what am I going to do for money? And <laughs> I'm not going to be a professor, so I better get a job. And teaching was the thing that I fell into. I really loved kids, secondary school kids. And I said that I would teach for as long as I liked kids. So I taught in New Zealand. Year 10, 14 year olds were my favorites. They're in the middle of nowhere, they're naughty. And I had a real passion for those people that were starting to grow into little adults. So I taught for quite some time, loved it, moved to the UK and really started to dislike kids quite a lot very quickly. Uh, the culture or the... <laughs> yeah, there were, there were little geezers. They thought the worst thing in the world that had happened to the UK was immigration. I was like, I'm an immigrant. We shouldn't really be having this. And, and that was quite fixed. They weren't really interested in, in learning. And, and that was really challenging. So... My school happened to be a technology college, so I started learning Cisco CCNA. I just looked at the careers and I went, geez, these engineers make a lot of money. I'm going to go here. And my school had this thing. If I paid for the first semester, then I could teach. You know, I was one semester ahead and then I was teaching Cisco CCNA. I am really not technical, as people on my team will know, so it's quite an interesting career. But I persevered, just dogged determination to do this qualification over two years and you know, I sat the exam three times and I finally passed and then I was like what the heck am I going to do I can't go into a workplace and network their system I can't do this I've just learned information and there's no way I'm going to apply it and 
So then a friend of mine was working with Cognos, which is a analytics tool. At the time it was independent, but it was brought out by IBM. And this was about reporting. And I went, ah, oh, I get this because it was using software to design financial data models and financial reports. So I spent a little bit more time learning that and then I got my first job working for Agco, which is the makers of Massey Ferguson. So designing financial models databases and financial reports but it was really at that stage the software was drag and click my specialty I think was sitting between really hard technical IT and the business and that was my real sweet spot which is where my teaching really led into so I worked for Agco for a couple of years and then got a job at Walt Disney International in London this is when I was still in London at the stage and that was just incredible. Got to meet Mickey Mouse. That was amazing. Sometimes I'd be working at my desk and Mickey would walk past and we'd all wave and it was so cool. <laughs> I felt like I'd really landed in just an amazing environment. And we were doing financial modeling and reporting. I was working for the media networks distribution side of the business. So kind of modeling the new shows that were coming in. So our clients were TV channels, Sky and BBC, etc. And we would be modeling the financials of Desperate Housewives or Hannah Montana or analyzing how important is Mickey for the brand versus Donald for the brand. So really exciting. There is nothing more exciting than doing financial reporting on something that's really interesting and a lot more sexy than numbers on a spreadsheet. <laughs> and the face, I guess, is you don't imagine that they are doing that modeling, but of course they are. You know, it's yeah. A, a magical thing in the background as well. Yeah. So then, you know, life came along and went to London with a backpack and life grew, had two kids, a container full of possessions. And eventually we decided it was time to come back to New Zealand. And I came back and worked for an analytics consultancy company called Mindful for a while and then got a job in Spark working in their BI team. And it was towards the end point of of Sparks re-engineering, which was a massive program where they effectively lifted all of their tech and would switch it over across long weekends often. And just being involved in something so huge as that was just an immense experience. So reporting's where I've always been. I was fortunate to be in one of the early front runners for Spark's agile transformation. So we tested these cross-functional teams that took people from customer experience and sales, the technology teams, the data teams, and our core mission, our, our KPI was drive calls out of the call center. So we had to analyze everything. And one of the products that I was working on was wireless broadband. And when we analyzed the calls, we were like, well, actually, our sales strategy is wrong because we're selling to old people that have medical alarms and these are not good for this because if the power goes off, their medical alarm won't work. So we had to influence the sales strategy and make sure we didn't sell to those people. So that was just really exciting to be part of. And then I got put on a complex business change. And so my title was really, I was called Agile Lead Complex Delivery since Disney have always been working in agile ways and being thrown at really difficult, challenging business and customer problems to go and solve. And 
I loved it. Loved that challenge of working in amongst lots of different people between the tech, between the business, and working on how we can get value out as fast as possible. So lots of creative ways of skinning the cat, running the roadmap, getting the value out fast, getting runs on the boards, all of those kind of things, which led me to zero. So after a couple of really complex rounds, there wasn't much else left at Spark. The next thing was the ERP replacement. And I was like, yeah, that's a big challenge. <laughs> and when that's done, there won't be anything left. And, and so I was like, I think it's a good career time to move. And a GM there said, you should go work for Zero. They're awesome. This is a company that I could see you working on. And I didn't really know much about Zero at the time. And as you can tell from my experience, I'm not hardcore SaaS product development. And the sweet spot really came with the reporting job, product manager of reporting at the time. And I think that experience of complex change and working with reporting products and the need in zero to really move our reporting along. I got the role and I dropped and I remember the first six weeks talking to everyone and people going, ooh, big job. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and I, I spent six weeks, I talked to so many people, I filled three notebooks. I remember coming home with a massive piece of brown paper three large full table size pieces of paper and I grabbed four stacks of sticky notes and I took my notebooks and I went sat on the floor in my living room and I <laughs> transferred all of my notes to individual stickies and I, I think I sat there and rocked for a couple of days just going <laughs> 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 how the heck are we going to make sense of this and over that time, a plan formed and here we are, I guess. So that's a very long-winded way of saying, how did I get to where I was? <laughs> yeah, and I, li I like so the, the journey in a way through education, through into reporting. And I guess that thing that rang true for that was being the connector between different groups, right? And I, obviously that's been true with the reporting work you've been doing, but the process of actually seeing a change through and being incremental and solving complex problems, is that the bit that really... Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of both. My previous managers on Matt Leave Now said evangelizing. I think it's just being excited and being energized and bringing people on that energized journey. So I love that whole being through the middle of it all. And I guess on the other side, I love the progress towards that goal and then getting to the end state and getting that goal across the line, taking on something that no one feels can be done or it's been too hard and to go, we can do this. We just have to take a bite of the elephant one set at a time, but we have to have a strategy of how we're going to do that. And so I love that whole process. It's an amazing, amazing journey. I've got so many questions from that, but um, <laughs> I think that snout was the complex, wait, so Agile Coach of Complex at Spark, what was your title? Yeah, yeah. Ad, Agile Lead Complex Delivery. We had terrible yeah. titles, but effectively it was like this crazy flow-to-work type role where, hey, here's a really tricky problem. <laughs> Let's 
throw someone at it in the middle and then go make it happen. It was bringing teams together was really the the core. So there was always delivery as part of that and you would always have teams that you didn't manage. So you had to influence, bring along for the journey, lots of convincing across the business that this was the right thing to do, keeping things on budget. Yeah, so it was pretty much put you in the middle and go make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck to you. Yeah. So that that role and then obviously transitioning to zero sounds similar as far as the overall type of problem, but that was the main responsibility to get those things across the line or did you have other people that were coaching you and supporting you? I'm just interested in like, how was the experience of actually doing that? Yeah, so it was interesting because there were other people like me across the business, but they were doing different problems, right? So we're very connected in with the team that we were working with, often really close to the tech team. And it was leaders in that space that were your real guidance and your go-to. When you were having problems, you were connecting into them, but they weren't managing you. So your manager was almost like a people manager with no real connection to your day-to-day. And we had some people that were wrapped around us and, and able to give us that work type support. I think that support is so important. And you arrived at zero and everyone was like, oh my God, you've got this massive challenge ahead of you. Was the complex problem at zero with reporting as difficult as people thought it was given your experience before? It was different in that I think the pressure of the customer was much greater. So this was the different element. We came in and we've started to build new reporting and it kind of stopped and stalled because priorities changed. So now you've got a complete even split, 50% of customers using old reporting, 50% using new reporting, and you have to find a way forward. And we're at an impasse, right? So we've got to bring customers on the journey. How the heck are we going to bring customers on the journey and announce that we're going to turn old reporting off? We've got a really ugly, disjointed experience where customers use one or the other, or sometimes both in the same session. So we need to move, but how do we bring customers on? And I think that was the journey that was scary. And so first of all, we need to finish the job and new reporting. We need to make it a better experience. But even if we build it and they will come, well, they're not going to, right? If old reporting is suiting their needs, they're not going to come. So how do we take that problem with customers and move it and that was a long journey and Mm. a great problem to solve but still on the journey right we're still halfway there but getting closer yeah you mentioned the build it and they will come but at least what i'm hearing there a lot of it is more about that people customer motivation stuff and the pathway and the adoption cycles but really validating those paths and really having that as the forefront thing that you're thinking about i think is something that maybe slips people's minds yeah definitely and it's a challenge there's lots of parts where in terms of improving our offering we've built adjacent and on the side and then we've got this problem We've got to move customers if we want to switch the other one off. And how do we do that? I'd love to dig into more of those challenges and lessons learned out of them because I think you don't really learn that much about what else is going on. But I'm interested in your, from teaching right through to where you are now, what is your both greatest lesson and greatest accomplishment? 
Yeah, I'm going to talk with the accomplishment because it's really ripe in my mind right now is getting to the announcement to customers in July this year that we're going to switch off old reporting is a massive accomplishment. To me, it just felt it was a culmination of two years of really hard work by lots of people. This whole cross-functional team to get there was amazing. We started with a Yep, we're going to switch it off. In my head, I put a date on that. 18 months from now, we're we're going to do it. Seemed impossible. There was not enough evidence that that was even achievable, but I'm putting it in my head, right? And then energizing the product team around that. So we started with this, let's improve the product. Let's not be strategic about it at the moment, but customers believe we're not doing anything. And you can see it in comments and community is just like, look we've been asking for this for six years they're not going to do anything you might as well stop moaning so we were like right let's get some runs on the board pick some high priority let's start dropping it and then let's really deeply analyze the differences between the old reporting and the new and and go right to finish the job these are the things that have to go on the list so that customers can transition their workflows are there and then it was really deeply analyzing researching wider customers use old reporting and we got this really clear picture that when new reporting worked was because customers needed it because they needed all of the extra flexibility and customization why new reporting was built so they moved and those were our early adopters and a whole lot of others said i have no reason you know Nothing's broken for me. So we're going, well, we need for you to move across with nothing broken on the other side. We realized that the simplicity of the old reporting was not yet in the new reporting. So we had to build that simplicity in. So we had a great value proposition on all of the advanced stuff, but the entry point was too low. So once we had a plan, we knew all of the stuff we had to build. Then we brought in this amazing approach where we had to start commsing really early. So we made the announcement in July. We started analysing our communication the previous July. How was our plan of going to market? And we started indicating in October last year with a blog to say, hey, all the new investment is in new reporting. And so people started reading between the lines, okay? Right, they might actually get rid of this and they started on Facebook they better not get rid of this it's you know I'm going to keep <laughs> <up and sing. laughs> but we started working at them right we had customers who did blogs of saying look it looks like they're going to retire old reports I'm doing it a bit of an education on how to use new reports so customers are starting to come on the journey right we're wow. triggering and initiating and and kind of working away so the comm strategy was absolute key because when we announced customers said well it's gone and happened now right we knew it was happening but it wasn't the same as the holy heck right because yeah we had a blue surprise kind of thing yeah Yeah. so i think that's my gosh i've gone a long way from the question so i'm so sorry the interplay is so fascinating i think again that lessons to be learned for other teams because I've definitely had that experience of just not realizing the impact of a change and you think that you've communicated it and you think that you've done it so well and actually just 
the amount of work that then that pushes on to customers when we make that change that you just don't realize so that's that's really nice to hear yeah and i think the other side of it which is where the the last bit is your impact on your business right our teams have to face into this so it's the people on the ground talking to customers in region it's cx it's our business that have to face into this as well so along with that whole prepping the customer there was a whole lot of prepping our business right we had a, a stream leads group which had regional go to market our comms education so we've pumped out a whole lot of videos that we've used in product to, so that customers can start onboarding themselves we used ready set go to make sure that when we announced it was at the right time we did a whole heat map of the best time to do this across all of our customers in all of our regions legal need to be brought in customer experience customer success really making sure that we're all on board and this is the whole team sport thing right that totally, me yeah. meant when we were announcing our business was going, okay, they've got a plan. We're all coming along for the ride and we've got you. So it's not just a product change. It's a whole business change that we're working with. Yeah. And you're really highlighting like just the magnitude of that change as well. I think it's the yeah. interesting part that it does need a lot of thinking and, and thought and execution behind that, obviously, which is it's really good. And the, the thing that I was resonating with, I'm not sure if you've heard the story, but back in the day, eBay, I'm pretty sure, had this yellow background on their website. And one time they did a release to change it to the white background that it now exists today. But it was literally just a, an update. And there was just outrage on social media. <laughs> All these people were like, ah, you've changed the site. It was awful. So they obviously backtracked from that, which that was annoying. But the thing that resonates here is the approach that they then took was every day they adjusted the color by 1%. Yeah. So slowly dropped it down to get to the same endpoint that they wanted. But it was this more gradual transition. And then A, people didn't really notice, but B, they sort of just did it in a stepwise fashion. Yeah. And that was what I was hearing from this is not surprising our customer with a change, supporting them through it and actually being there to help not just them, but then also the business. That's yeah. 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 Awesome. And that's why we've announced in July, we're not retiring till next July as well. So we've given a really long time frame and we're watching these numbers like hawks, right? What's happening with the customers? But we're, it's a now a really joined up product and go to market experience. Awesome. And I think some great lessons there as well. But I wanted to switch tacks a little bit and talk about product management stuff. Yeah. One of our go-to questions, imagining you're at a social occasion, how do you describe what you do in your job? And what is product management to you? Gosh, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day and I've been re recently listening to some stuff that Marty Kagan has been doing and he was like, Product management is a really hard job. It's in the middle of everything. And if I think of a product manager, what do they bring to that party of what we're delivering? They're the people who know the customer the best. They know the market the best. They really deeply analyze that data and they know the business. So they've got to bring to the party opportunities that delight our customers and deliver for our customer need, but work for our business. I really think that they're the connectors. They connect strategy, so company strategy, to what we deliver in products. So that's where we do things that are right for our business. 
they sell the dream across the business and to the team. If we're look, talking about empowered product teams, they have to believe in the dream, right? We have to really bring that dream to life through all of that cross-functional team so that that we all feel like it's a good solution. And they really do connect that cross-functional team, bringing design and research and marketing close to engineering, making sure our business feels that, you know, what we're doing is is working on their goals. So really like a, a cog between customers, business and tech is what I think they do. Yeah. Awesome. That, yeah, things true. And I really like the theme of team, which continues through your, your journey. And I think it's, for me as well, so important. I'm interested as a new product manager, somebody coming in, there's so much to learn. There's so much. And as you say, it is a hard job. What do you think are the, the key skills maybe for somebody new to begin with or to delve into it? I think if you're coming in and you're working within a product team and you're delivering, you're often delivering on strategy. So I think as you move up those layers of product management, it's really starting to lift up and think broader about strategy and vision, really looking at how you build a strategy based on that business strategy so you start connecting up a lot more to what's happening and I think in your own product spaces when you're starting in more senior product management roles that's what you need to do let's make sure I'm not just looking down at let's make sure I look across and how can I connect the strategy to grow our product with the broader strategy that supports the whole product yeah it's really nice. And are there are a couple of tips you'd say, because I guess it's the how then, you know, how yeah, do you Mike, where do you start? How do you yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I've kind of grown myself in terms of strategy and I and I want to learn some more. So reading some stuff about how people think about strategy is is really important. Looking at the company strategy and your division strategy and then funneling down is really good bringing your team together to actually talk about strategy because we often become very executional. And by that, I mean that cross-functional team. So design and marketing and, and product and engineering together to go, let's spend some time thinking big picture. Where do we want to be in 10 years? Now let's step back. So what are we going to do in this next year to make a step change towards there. Take your, your team's vision and and then work out those step changes and really spend time writing it and showing it. So I think that's that's definitely one thing. And the other thing is connect across. So the next best thing you can do is talk to people. Talk to people in adjacent connected products. Be really connected to your engineering team to your product marketer to design to research because they'll all give you ideas right you don't have them they're not all your ideas to come up with right you're really as that product manager you're really just synthesizing the ideas of others as you're just presenting everyone else's brilliance all in all in one package yeah yeah i love it good answer um, we might shift gears and yeah. <laughs> some rapid fire questions. I, I, it's been so hard because there's so much I want to dive more into, but keep, we'll keep moving. Is there one tool or thing you have in your toolkit as a product manager that you really Yeah, I think definitely anything that is a prioritization tool, not one, because I think prioritization 
could be different for different things. So 2v2, effort, value, importance, urgencies, those are really useful because they crystallize your thinking. Some funnels are good. I think funnels are great. Anything that starts visualizing your ideas, I think, is really useful. Rice, reach, impact, confidence, effort, those are really good for quantifying those tools I always use a prioritization tool because otherwise you're going on your gut right you just need to test your gut against something that's putting it visually so that you can go oh yeah okay I'm not just picking stuff out of the air I think that would be my yeah one tool would be any prioritization tool (laughs) nice no thank you and do you listen to podcasts I think time pressures for product people are really tight so I listen a lot when I'm walking or driving but I use it often to listen to all hands I catch up on research interviews anything that's in the design research channel anything from Marty Kagan I keep an asana board of all these audio things to listen to and and then I just pop my headphones on and walk or get in the car and, you know, and, and listen. My dogs listen to some amazing stuff as <laughs> 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 so I've been out walking. But, yeah, so I think that's, that's what I do most. And, and customer interviews, they are so great to listen to, anything that connects you to that customer. I think more than anything, I love listening to the customer interviews because they excite me again. It can be quite wearisome. You can get worn down with the work effort, but when you listen to the customer and go, this is why we're doing it, and I've got my favourite customers and I've never met them or seen what they look like because I've just listened to them. <laughs> I love it. Do you have a favourite book or article that you recommend for people? I think Inspired by Marty Kagan is is a number one for anyone. And as you move into product management, Empowered, how do you start to coach people? I think that's really important. My managers put me on to thinking fast, thinking slow. And that's really good because we're very time poor and we often, well, we, the royal we, I often get really focused on the doing and I forget to dedicate time to the thinking and that's one of the challenges with the broader product roles we don't allow enough time for thinking so trying to make myself more disciplined about that and atomic habits was something that I read which was really good for that just you have time you're just not using it well (laughs) great yeah time well spent as well was helpful for that just yeah, like, definitely. What's the most important thing you have to do today? Just take one. Yeah. And do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've got my sticky notes that are sitting beside my awesome. desk. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And what are you most grateful for, Tori? Health, I think. Definitely health. The older uh, older I get and I see aging relatives and I just go, without health then everything's harder. And there's lots of people that do have really significant health problems that they deal with. And I go, wow, you know, and I, and I guess the thing is, I don't look after my health enough in terms of work stress, but yeah, it is the thing that's most grateful for. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Any final takeaways or calls to action for people? This is going to sound like do as I say is not as I do. (laughs) (laughs) But it is my call in my own head. Take time to step back, to really observe what you're doing and and how you're spending time. Use those prioritization tools on yourself. What 
is the most important thing that I could do for my team, for me. And am I doing it or am I churning through Slack and emails and the demands of the business? So I think if as you grow, you'll get less and less time and there'll be so much more time demands on you. So try and get some time, a focus time, to do the thinking because that'll give you clarity and mean that you're not just churning and toiling on the things that don't matter as much. Yeah, I think that would be... I'm going to take that lesson for myself, right? <laughs> it's an awesome lesson. Yeah, thank you so much. I think that one really suits to me as well. So you just have to try and remind yourself every now and again, though, because it, it does slip away. So Yeah, it does. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much again. I have so many more questions. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. Thank you both. This is awesome to chat. It's funny to just take some time to chat about it and get yourself excited about what you're doing. It's really cool.